Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to episode 187 of the Get Around, your hyper-local sports podcast for Northern Michigan. I'm James Cook, joined by TV7 and 4's Harrison Beebe and our own Andrew Rosenthal. We've got Grayling's David Milliken and Dylan Craig on later to talk about their big matchup this Friday with Travis C. St. Francis. First off, though, we got to get you fed. This week's winner of two free Jimmy John's sandwiches is, and I'm going to butcher this name. Like they butchered those meats? Yes. <laughs> Caleb... Kuknerkovich of Traverse City, place for Traverse City West, for interacting with the podcast on Twitter. Remember to share, like, or comment for a chance to win two sandwiches each week, courtesy of Jimmy John's and the Get Around. Just call him Caleb K. I don't think anybody would be offended. Andrew and I were there and talked to him at the camp previews. He, he, he understands <laughs> where he's going to get that name right. I think it was a good effort Caleb in trying K. to pronounce CK. that, but I probably did not get that correct. Well, I hopefully we'll get his free sandwich. He can get his sandwiches out of it, and hopefully that makes up that for has me to be butchering the, his last one. That time. has to be the earliest that anybody that you've ever given away a sandwich on the show. That was within the first 30 seconds. and usually Just right into it. God bless the folks at Jimmy John's. Usually that takes place later in the show. Speaking of which, we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. Gents, we got week one of the football season out of the way. Yeah, let's talk about that. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in there. <laughs> for well, real, though. Andrew, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much fun was it for you? Man, I watched two football games, and I wasn't at the big house, and it sounded like you didn't have a lot of fun in, when you were there. It was fun in a way. It, it was cool to be there. It was a cool event. It was uh, not cool on the thermometer. It was not cool in any other way, pretty much. Well, we went, we but, went one for two. That's pretty. We could have easily gone over two. So. So with that, let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world with the pulse. We had the two games down at the battle at the big house: Traverse City West against Midland, Traverse City Central against defending state champion Dewitt. Man, was that hot! You're just still sweating. You're just still just showering hot, off just hot. that that doubleheader. Just hot. I was telling Andrew before the show. Jan Stump, our photographer, wore really like mean. a wore like a powder blue polo. And shorts, the dark game. blue. And the by the day. end of the first quarter, it was dark blue, all the way, top to bottom. State Just. champs Michigan has a highlight of Will Gaston running up the sidelines to score a touchdown. You can pretty clearly see Jan when they pan down. You can pretty clearly see Jan, and there's already like this is very early in the first quarter, like <laughs> West first possession. I heard there was no like free waters or anything. And the teams brought all their own stuff. No, but like for media. Oh, yeah, there was basically nothing but media other than an electrical outlet and a, and a folding table. Uh, so Way on the other side of the stadium. Very MHSA-oriented, this is Yeah, that. on the op- opposite side of the big house. Emphasis on big from where there were any concession stands. There was nothing. I was on west sideline, and I just was like, hey, does anybody mind if I snake some Gatorade from the, from the table over here? And they were all just like, yeah, go ahead. So I just said well, I, I heard security. that was the big theory why West, yeah, okay, West proved to be the better team on the scoreboard as it shows, but it, it was definitely an advantage that they were in the shade for a big chunk of the game, whereas Midland had to be in direct sunlight the entire game. Yeah, for like this in the second half, I think it, it made a little bit Played of a, a difference. Factor. Midland said that they had a lot of players cramping up, but Traverse City West did too. West just maybe came a little bit more prepared for it. They had you know they had trainers well, yeah, on the sideline. If you're in the shade for a half and the other team's in oh, the sun, yeah. I mean that's going to yeah. zap some energy from that yeah. other team. West Bar- not taking anything away from the West win. I just heard that was uh, I heard from a West fan that that was uh, potentially in play. Yeah, the Midland coach definitely said that, that. You know, they had a lot of players cramping up in the second half, and they didn't have the depth to to be able to keep up after that. Or you know, West had a bunch of players cramping up too. They brought a whole cooler of full of pickle jars so that players could chug pickle juice when they were having cramps. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Yes, yeah. and all the players like it. Next time I'm dehydrated. Not all the players like it, but apparently it's a thing that helps you with uh, with with cramps is drinking. I'm that guy pickle that juice. T- turns down the pickle on your side of your sandwich, so I'd probably hate drinking pickle juice. My wife does the same thing, and I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, somebody that's one of two. You know, somebody will take it, somebody won't want it. Works out great. And my wife doesn't turn them down because she doesn't like pickles. It's because she just assumes that they've already been touched by some that they already tried to give it to someone else, and it's already <laughs> been touched pickle. by other people. Ah, yes. <laughs> That could be a worst-case scenario. James, what did you think? Did West, especially with that comeback, did, did West show that they are going to be a, another team to to reckon with this season? And do we see, like we're all hoping, more competitive Patriot game here in a few weeks based on that win? 
it's a bit hard to tell because from what I've heard, Midland lost a lot from last season and kind of isn't the same team this year as the Midland team that's won like eight or nine games consistently for the last five or six years. One of the other writers in the state that I was talking to mentioned that they were they were kind of down. So TC West had to come back from that huge 28 to 8 deficit in the second quarter to win that game 35 to 28. But hats off to them. I mean, shutting out a team in that heat for the last 33, 34 minutes of a game is an accomplishment in and of itself. It would have been easy just to roll over when you're down that much in that big of a stage, too. And to think West now gets two afternoon games to start the year because they're playing the 1 o'clock of the doubleheader yeah. on yeah, Friday. It's, it's Grand weird, Haven. weird 1 o'clock game. <laughs> you're starting two games before high school starts, and they're both afternoon games. Yeah. It's, that is odd that it's, it's odd that it's Not at one Saturday o'clock. Afternoon. Well, because they have a doubleheader. Yeah, but normally when they've done doubleheaders in the past, it's been four and seven. That's true. Maybe it's a COVID-related thing with TCAPs. Maybe yeah. it's the travel for Grand Haven, and they asked it to be earlier. I don't know. It could be. Uh, Maybe that's the only time they could get a Coast Guard flyover. It is the Coast Guard Cup. Way back when, it was like 2014, 2015, they had doubleheaders a lot at Thoroughby, and they would be St. Francis in it and one of the Central yeah, West and they, Coast. And they usually be four and, four and seven. seven, yeah. So I don't know why the 1 o'clock game, but we'll we'll ask that question this week for for sure. The, the Traverse City Central game, it was an entertaining one because there was offense all over. TC Central came into that game prepared for Tommy McIntosh, the Wisconsin-bound receiver for uh, DeWitt, and they pretty much took him out of the game. They shadowed him with Carson Bordeaux at safety and shaded their coverage over that way, and that worked, but their number two receiver took advantage of that and burned them for four touchdowns. And it was a kid that you wouldn't have known about having scouted Maybe them. Maybe he'll because, go to Wisconsin now. Yeah, he was a kid you wouldn't have known about having scouted them because he played quarterback in the JV team mm-hmm. last year. So he was an unknown quantity and, and ended up approving. So what, the final score, that was 47-27? Yeah. Central put on kind of a surge there, but for a while it, Central, it looked like it was uh, kind of West Midland out of reach. And yeah. you believe Midland would give up that lead more than a DeWitt team, unfortunately. So what, what do you take yeah. away from that one? Do you think that's more DeWitt just being the upper echelon of the entire state? Or do yes. you think Central's got some things uh, they need to... Kind of, I mean, obviously, it's, it's tough to really beat yourselves up over a loss like that, knowing the caliber of opponent and the neutral site and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I guess what do you take away from both sides that uh, shows the I, what the I think definitely was? that DeWitt is one of the best teams in the, in the state. I mean, they've got a quarterback going to the Ivy League. They've got a receiver going to the Big Ten. They've got a running back going to Air Force. And TC Central pretty well shut down the running back. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot in the game. They took the the Big Ten receiver out of the game for the most part. He had one touchdown catch, but that was about it. He did not seem happy at all after the game. I saw him in the tunnel, and he, he didn't seem happy one bit um, that kind of Carson Bordeaux and them were able to bracket him and kind of take him out of the game. So it was this other receiver that came out of nowhere that kind of proved to be the difference, I think, for them. And their quarterback is great. Yeah, I, I mean, saw some not a, throws. Not a big kid good. or anything like that. Well, they just but picture-perfect pass. Puts the mo- ball yeah. on the money. Yeah. I mean, that was just incredible to see that, that type of skill from a <laughs> high school quarterback Yeah, from that distance. Yep. And, you know, on offense, TC Central struggled. I think I think they really missed Austin Bills at running back. Um, Reed Seabase broke off some nice runs here and there. Uh, but just they weren't very consistent on offense in the first half, made some mistakes, had – you know, a fumble, you know, some other things. Josh Burnham had a very good game on defense. I think the defense as a whole, despite giving up 47 points, played pretty well, especially against the run. I mean, Burnham passing was, I think, only 3 for 15. Yeah, well, that's probably something they're going to want to show up. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a couple of those were some drops, too. And, and Central had problems just like everybody else did with players cramping and having to come out of the game. You know, Carson Bordeaux left for a good portion of a drive with uh, when he got he kind of hit the turf. Shouldn't have returned that punt. Hurt his back, but you know, yeah, he had that punt return for a touchdown. Will Gaston with a big punt return for a touchdown in the first game. So special teams for the Traverse City schools are are working pretty well. So the Trojans next have Marquette Thursday night, and Marquette coming off kind of a. For Marquette being down as a program, who's the Alpena obviously is never really Alpena, that seriously. Yeah, Alpena is a team that's going to struggle. They, they were, kind of destroyed Alpena. They dis- yeah, so they destroyed them. Let, we'll just say that Central is likely going to win that football game, but it'll be interesting to see if Marquette gives them a little more of a challenge than maybe we're used to seeing in that series, yeah, especially I, lately. I think so. And yeah, because 
they they put a hurting on Alpina. It was like 49-14 or something. Something like that, yeah. 49-14. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Alpina should be way bigger than Marquette. So that was a little bit a little bit surprising. I, haven't, I wasn't surprised that they beat Alpina, but that it was just so decisive. And, and, and some of the player stats that they put up uh, were, were pretty impressive. So we'll have to see what they do against Central. And then West, yeah, comes back in the Coast Guard game against Grand Haven Thursday. So that'll be another, I think, good good matchup. Three Wes's, games in 24 hours at Thurlby. West kind of has something to prove, I think, after that, after having to come back against that Midland team in the second half of that game. But, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy on the sidelines of that game, though. I mean, just because it was just so hot. Players are just walking around, just exhausted. Like, who took all our Gatorade? <clears throat> James Cook. The, what the, the players? The players were like so sweaty, and they weren't even. Most of them weren't even bothering to towel it off because they just come so, right back. So their arms were just covered in the rubber pellets from the field turf. Their arms and legs were just stuck to the sweat. Players just walking the around. The battle at the big house. Makes sense. You have some battle yeah. scars. It was the battle of the heat. The radio station had a one of those. Uh, temperature guns and they said that it registered 147 degrees on the turf pick your poison yeah. would you cover a game like that or would you rather cover one in 10 degrees in november in the state semifinals i don't know man like playing football in an oven doesn't sound fun before the game i i told jan our photographer i'm just like i gotta go get something to drink and this is probably the only chance i'm gonna get where i have to have the time to go over the concession stand because they put us way on the other side of the stadium where nothing was open so I went and got a 775 Diet Coke. It was just crazy. So from a media standpoint, it was kind of a mess. The entrance to where we came in, they didn't have any programs. I ended up talking to a TC West fan who turned out to be Greg Vaughn's sister, and she gave me her program because we didn't have one. They had last year's roster of Traverse City Central in there. So I'm like, wow, hey, they got Carson Briggs back this year? Sweet. <laughs> but Good for them. So it was just kind of a mess from that standpoint. The one interesting part was uh, all the Traverse City alums that are that are play for TC Central and West. Um, you know, I saw Christian Boivin and Ryan Hayes there before the game. I guess Christian came in and talked to the team before the game. Ryan was sitting on the on the sidelines for the first half. I asked Eric Sugars after the game. I was like, "Hey, was Peyton Smith here?" And he's like, "Yeah, he was here for a while." And then somebody from Michigan came over to him and said, "Hey, you can't be here because I think it's technically a recruiting violation." But West kids were allowed to go. Uh, well, they disappeared after halftime. Oh, got it. I, so I think somebody from, from Michigan came there and said, you can't be here. You were at a game? I did. I went to two, actually, just like you. For Obviously, early in the season, we got a bunch of Thursday games. I got to see Houghton Lake play against the Glen Lake Lakers, and Houghton Lake gave them a challenge, And but I thought, in the end, Connor Chowick and Glen Lake just showed what this program does year in year out they're strong they're athletic and they will run you over and they will be better in you in just every asset of the game and there's really no way of no other way of saying that i thought connor choak looked good his passes were on the money he was an athletic running back as a quarterback even jerry yangers wasn't even coaching this game they handed it off to softball coach gary gala i thought that was interesting <laughs> yeah when i was talking to him after the game because he called in the stats, he's like, "Yeah, I don't usually do this." So yeah, I think Jerry's gonna miss like three games this season. Yeah. He, when they talked to him about having the job, he's like, "Okay, I'll do it because you need somebody." But I've already got some things. Is he gonna be the, there this weekend or this Thursday? I don't know. That's, he that's he was gonna miss one or two games later game in the season, the week, I think, week, to go like, watch Duke play. But, but yeah, yeah, this is salute to serve. So this that's the game of the week, I think, this week. Come yeah, two week one wins. Glenn Lake and Kingsley one of them. playing. Yeah. Kingsley, Kingsley just destroys McBain in week one. Their coach Ward didn't really like what he saw out of the scrimmage. They come back and proved everyone else wrong, and sent the message that this is still a Kingsley team not to mess with. And you know, I, I like, yeah, I, I'm really excited for this game on Thursday. We're probably gonna go see it. I know Central's playing Marquette that day, but that's two teams that. It's 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 gonna show who's gonna be the one to mess with in Division Five and Six. I was surprised at the score in that McBain game. I I knew McBain was coming in having replaced like almost all of their skill players from last year, but they they had that big offensive line back, and they looked in that scrimmage that I saw to have a pretty competent defense. So I was pretty surprised well, that the game was that lopsided. Of a I score. was at the first quarter and a half of it, and. They just couldn't get anything done with the run. So they turned the pass pretty early, and that worked out pretty well. They got their first touchdown and made it 8-8 early on uh, with their throwing game. But then Kingsley just, I think, every possession I was there, they scored every time. 
while they were tinkering and figuring stuff out on offense, Kingsley was having no problems moving down the field. And so that's mm-hmm. the Kingsley team we're kind of used to now. And it probably says a lot more about their growth at the moment than McBain's. But uh, the Stag's definitely uh, where they are normally. Obviously, the St. Francis plays the next day. They got, they went up against Benzie. I thought Benzie did as good of a job as they could have against St. Francis. I think Wyatt Nostatis was really, really athletic in that game. A lot of times he was rushing on the outside, and Benzie couldn't even really do anything to tackle him. They just kind of pushed him out. They were even on a couple of non-plays where it was called back as a foul, flag or something like that. They just couldn't really tackle any of St. Francis's skill guys like Gabe Olivier and Wyatt Nostatis and Drew Hardy. They 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 were just too athletic for him. Even on, but when Benzie was on offense, they did all they could. You know, they took drives down to the end in the end zone. A lot of times they just got stopped. They had a couple good plays. I think they had still had about 200 yards of offense, which against the St. Francis defense, that's about as good as you can do. Yeah, um, Benzie's one of those teams. I think like a McBain and, and Elk Rapids that just graduated a lot and have a lot to replace. So it's not surprising to have that kind of game in your first game and and to play St. Francis right off the bat is not an easy task uh, as evidenced by the fact that it's the 40th win in a row mm-hmm. by St. Francis against Benzie. Benzie has never beaten St. Francis ever. What I heard somebody tell me was that that's the longest winning streak against an opponent in the state. There you go. I thought Charlie Peterson looked great on the pass. He only tried like nine passes, completed three of them. Some of them were going like 40 yards in the air. He's got a good arm. He's got an arm. If they can get the receivers to be in the spots and get the line to hold them, they are set. Because no one else in Northern Michigan runs that kind of offense where you rely so heavily on, where you rely on deep passes and deep runs on the outside. They pound the ball and pound the ball and try to get your defense to to commit to, to the run. Know, eight guys in the box and then they take some shots. It's it's a pretty risk reward. I, you know, Charlie's probably not going to have a real high completion percentage because he only throws every. 10 plays or something and you know and it's hard as a quarterback probably to get into a, a good rhythm and get a feel for throwing the ball when you hand off 10 times in between but but he'll average like 40 yards per throw oh yeah they're not afraid to take deep shots yeah you know with those receivers and the ends especially they'll, they'll put those ends over the middle and let them go up and get balls too i imagine it's just gotta be hard to get into a rhythm as a quarterback throwing that infrequently during a game Last bit of news, obviously, Kokaska won a game. Harrison, you were at that game for a little bit. When I talked to Jeremy Wilkinson after the game, he says this is a huge relief for both our players, our city, and everything in between. From the stats, it seemed like they were in that game the whole time. You know, then kickoff return to tie the game at 22, and big stop in overtime to secure the win. What did you see out of that? Uh, you know, the, when I was there in the third quarter, it kind of was a slower-going third quarter. There were a lot of flags, but Elk Rapids was kind of in command. They were down at the half. They punched ahead a go-ahead score and then punched in another. So they scored two unanswered when I was there, and it just kind of you, know, you felt bad, but you're on that Kalkaska sideline, you're like, oh, no, this is going to be one of those years again. And then as I'm, like, planning to leave, I'm literally getting down – tying my shoe, getting ready to leave. Kalkaska's player returns, I think his name is Chris Gay, returns the kickoff for the touchdown. And the two-point conversion later, they're tied at 22, and you could just hear an immediate just change. You know, it's it's one play, but it's funny how that one play could do so much to shift that momentum on their sideline with their fans that were there. Obviously a huge rivalry game with Elk Rapids all the years they've known each other. And, yeah, you just kind of had a vibe like then that when I, when I left, because I had to due to the time constraints to get my stuff on the air, uh, you just kind of had a feeling like that was anybody's game besides the fact that it was a tie ball game, which means it's anybody's game. But, you know, 26-game losing streak, nobody gets excited to, to that we even mention that number. They're excited that we don't add to that number now anymore. But the fact that it had been, what, October 2017? October 6, 2017. Yeah, it was the last time they got a win, and, I mean, that's a whole generation. That's a whole group of high school kids, right? Yeah. Kids that were freshmen on that 2017 team are now freshmen in college. So that's how long that lasted, and, yeah, (laughs) I want to keep hammering that home because that streak is now over, dead, and done, and now Cal can hopefully build on I mean, to get get that win in the first game of the season, I mean, that's just kind of make things a lot more comfortable and a lot more exciting around practice and then going forward for their schedule this year. Nobody expects them to run the table and go 9-0, and but, man, it's probably way more fun to come into this Friday's game the way they're feeling now than to have just dropped another one where they could have realistically won. With that, we will go into the interview with Grayling's seniors David Milliken and Dylan Craig, sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. 
The Get Around Podcast is happy to have Grayling Seniors, David Milliken. Happy to be here. And Dylan Craig. Yeah, thank you for having us. Here on, here on the podcast, as we always do, we start off the interview with the Freaky Fast Five, which is an ode to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. First question is, who's the best and worst dancer on the Vikings team? All right, the best, probably say Sparty, Sparty Skillern. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely the worst would have to be Benny G, uh, Ben Gonzalez. So, Okay. Is he still rocking the big hair? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess Hunter didn't like it when I said that he might have the best hair in the Northern Michigan Football Conference. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. <laughs> I enjoyed that. But 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 to, to but to be fair, Hunter was on the field at the time, and I didn't see his hair right. yet when I when I saw Ben's on the sideline. I think I think Hunter had cornrows for that game too, yeah. for the Nagani game. So he called them the Viking braids. Yeah. So. yeah, they were pretty sweet. Best mascot in Northern Michigan outside of your own? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone really dresses up for a mascot anymore. Yeah, what, what schools dress there's, up? There's only a handful that actually have mascots that dress up, but right. but it can just be the mascot in general, what their nickname is. Probably TC Central. The Trojans? Yeah. yeah. Right. Actually, they do have someone. Central. I think Central and West both have somebody who usually yeah, dresses Central, up. Yeah, Central and West are pretty cool. And so. I believe St. Francis has somebody that dresses up like a gladiator, too. Oh, okay, yeah. They have, like, a sword and shield on the sideline. Yeah, they do. Yeah. How much okay. money would it take for you both to go bald? Voluntarily. It definitely has to be a lot. Yeah. I don't look so good bald, so probably, like, give me, give me like, two grand solid, and then I'll, I'll go bald. That's not a lot, like, from what I would think. Yeah, it'd, it'd be a lot more for me. But <laughs> okay. I'd also do it during playoffs, so if we were to go to, or when we go to playoffs, or then I'll definitely mm-hmm. go bald. <laughs> All right. Okay. Actually, that's a bad thing to say, because I'm going to have to. what is the best gift you've ever been given probably this water bottle i recently was given for i think christmas not too long ago it's so cool it's got it's like a filter and then it pours out consistently so it's super nice was that the one with the times on it yeah and it also has times when you're supposed to drink in the amount you're supposed to drink it reminds you when to drink yeah yep (laughs) it's nice I'll get a little deep here. Like last year, uh, our season was canceled and then brought back again. So that's probably the best gift that I could think of. Seven our season back and we were able to go so far. Do you have a sports role model? Yeah, actually, past player, uh, Cam Summers. I always used to look up to him a lot. So I think he holds actually a lot of records. I think he holds the touchdown and a total career touchdown record. So, yeah. So you're gunning for his records? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think mine would be a pass player, too. Also a good buddy of mine, Eli Jackson. Uh, we talk a lot, especially between me, David, and him. Uh, just every day, keeping in check and seeing how it is at Alma and always giving us life tips. And Not always about football, but definitely about life itself. Was it Eli that had the barn yes. that everybody worked out in? Yeah, yeah. the barn okay. gym. Yep. Did you guys go there and work out in that? Yeah. Yep. We were going to ask you about that. Yeah, a lot of the equipment <laughs> was actually mine, so... Yeah, well, we're going to go right into the interview because that was five questions, I think. So. All right. So let's talk about the barn. It's the one the one thing on, that's on everyone's mind when they think of a grilling football is the barn during COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, so tell us this, that story about how it started and everything you remember about that summer. We all, have a, we all had a group chat, and we were kind of looking for, because the high school gym was closed and also the gyms in town, well, because everything was closed. So we were kind of talking within each other, and we all had individual equipment. So we were looking for something that we could still, like, get together and kind of obviously COVID safe. But for, I think, the first couple weeks, we wore a mask until everything got completely shut down. Then we stopped for a month. And then once once restrictions started getting lifted, then we all came back together again. And we'd lift, I mean, every morning at sometimes 6. I mean, the time would vary. But, yeah. That's basically how it was. How much equipment did you have? Not a ton. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it was like a bench, kind of a squat rack. It was a little scary, but, and I think we had over 400 pounds of weight. Because then you have the tires, too. Um, yeah, the yeah. hammer with the tires. Yeah, yeah we, had the, we had the tires. Those were, like, legitimate truck, like tractor tires, too. No, yeah. <laughs> no, like, he, they were on his farm, and he just grabbed them, and right. we started going going after on that. But we had a little bit of dumbbells, but actually our 
Buddy Reed Sikovich, he had actual dumbbells that could be twisted off and the weight could be changed. So that's what we used for that. It was kind of makeshift, but it was fun. We got got the job done, that's for sure. It was just this, like, mythic thing, like, kind of like feel the dreams where if you build it, they will come. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How many guys do you usually have working out from day to day? Um, Now or? When, back, in the, back in the barn days. How many guys were, were going and regularly working out there? It was really only five, actually. Um, two of them were going to college, so college athletes, and then mm-hmm. – I think it was only three or four of us that were actually going to be playing the next season at Grayling, so around five or six regularly. Mm-hmm. And then you guys eventually got to play the season. Had a pretty good season, made uh, pretty far in the playoffs. How how weird was it having that season that was just broken up so much? You know, because it was originally canceled, then shortened, then delayed a bunch of times when you guys were still going in the playoffs. Uh, how hard was that to to keep things going during that? Uh, it was definitely challenging, but uh, we all stuck together as a family. And we all had a passion for the sport. And Coach Tony would always say, like, every day at practice, this could be your last day of practice. And we all took that to heart. And when uh, we were all in the back, the Viking Activity Center, uh, our AD came out and said the season's back on. We all got super excited. And we were just ready to rock and roll at that point. And you play basketball as well. Right. So was it harder getting ready for basketball when football lasted so long? Um, yeah, definitely, especially being in football shape and then, you know, going from the semi-loss and then the next day basketball practice. It was mm. definitely tough, but throughout the season I tried maintaining uh, getting in the gym for basketball as well. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenge. How fun was it having those practices in the winter, kind of doing some different stuff than what you'd normally do in a football practice? At first, I mean, I was like, I was like, man, practicing in the winter is not going to be, is not going to be great. But once practice actually started, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, you had to be a little bit more careful on the ground because it was solid and there was ice sometimes, so you had to run a little bit slower and keep your footing. But it was a blast. It was definitely it was definitely a good time for sure. You guys were three and three heading into the playoffs, and then you had the big upset over Manistee. What was the thing that changed in that season? Really, for us, was conditioning. Um, I mean, we had the team from the start, but with the lack of numbers and we had good backups, but sometimes it was a little bit touch and go. But so we started conditioning more, and once we did that, then it was we we could our starters could play a whole game and have no problem, which was really nice. Didn't you mm-hmm. didn't you start seeing a little bit more volume on carries? Yeah, a little bit. I had a decent amount of carries at the beginning, other than Kalkaska, but. Yeah, I, I started seeing carries a little bit more and being a little bit more active in the different schemes, so that was nice. Playing in the winter like that as a running back, I mean, you mentioned how hard the, the ground was at Nagani game. That, I mean, it was just like concrete almost. How how difficult was that when you get tackled? At first, I was super nervous about it. I mean, I actually t- that was the first time I've ever taped my ankles for a game. Yeah, I was super nervous about it, but when we started actually started playing, it wasn't horrible. I mean... I got my footing pretty well, and I was able to cut and do everything I needed to do. So, plus you get the adrenaline rush. Yeah, during the game. So there were a couple of spots where if you got tackled on, it hurt pretty bad because they were a little bit more solid than the other areas. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, it was not bad at all. So did you guys were you guys getting plays in the huddle, and then you're like, okay, let's not run that one because it would go right into that spot <laughs> on the field. Honestly, at that point, you just kind of forget about it, and you're like. I just got to go. Right. Just don't get tackled and you don't have an issue. <laughs> that was like one of the longest runs, I'm pretty sure, in Grayling history. What were people in town just telling you guys? Uh, they were honestly just giving us the biggest support. You know, our community is so small, and basically they just kept a, or tell, kept telling us that just keep rolling. You know, obviously no one expected us to go as far as we did in the playoffs, and we just took that as motivation and – our community really motivated us. So, Do you feel like that run last year is amping up the expectations for this fall? Definitely. Our goal this year is Ford Field. We all believe we can do it. Like our whole team, we all have heart for the game, and we really believe that we can make it to Ford Field. We just got to do what we did last year, but a little more sharper, and then we'll get there. Obviously, you're losing Hunter Ventline. Ethan Kaharick is replacing him. How good is he doing in that role? I think he's doing great, honestly. Obviously, he's a little bit younger. He doesn't quite have the arm strength, but he can see the field really well, and he knows he knows the position in the reads. So that's what I love about him most. 
But you guys have that one right, that wide receiver duo, especially with you, Dylan. I saw one of the highlights, and you know, I, I felt bad for the <laughs> cornerback because like the like his arm was like four feet over right. him. How, how much does that help knowing like he can just throw it and you can figure something out and right. catch the ball? <laughs> Definitely, he tells me sometimes on the goals like, well, I'll tell him, uh, just throw it up and I'll go get it. Like I'm I'm an athletic kid, I'm like six foot four, and these corners are like five foot ten, so. Definitely a height advantage on that, but definitely I tell him just throw it up and I'll I'll go and get it. So you're like the new Finn Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Finn was good. Yeah. Does Ethan have the hair though? Does he have the hundred pound line hair? No, he does not. No. He's actually rocking a mullet there for a little bit, but he decided to cut it. He wasn't a fan, so. Yeah. It's the trend of a grilling quarterback has to have a crazy hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to decide what to do with my pandemic hair. <laughs> It's looking too much like a mullet. But, yeah, you had 20 carries for 300 yards in that game against Ross Common. Do you see yourself as, like, the bell cow of the green offenses here? Uh, definitely not. I mean, we all kind of mesh well together as a team. So our wide receivers, we have a lot of guys who have stepped up from last year who, I mean, they were decent last year, but they put in the work in the offseason, and they're definitely a lot better. So it's I don't think it's all just me. Obviously, our line is they've been killing it, but – we have a lot of guys like Dylan and our all of our R's are pretty tall and athletic, so I think we have a lot more than just me for sure. Looking ahead to Friday, Traverse City, St. Francis. We'll be back here in four days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you looking forward to in that game? For me, I like to, I really love to play on a turf, so I like that. And also the big stadium is going to be we're going to love that too. Right. We're just going to have to come in with a dog mentality. Obviously, they're a great team. Got respect for them. Uh, they made it to Ford Field last year, state finals. And we just all got to stay together, do our do our parts individually, and it just makes our team much better. But definitely we're going we're gonna to come ready for sure. You guys had a lead on St. Francis, I remember, last year. It was, I think it was 14 nothing at one point. Do you, what do you know about the Glads and what they do? T.C. St. Francis, they're always a disciplined team. So, and it also helps that they have a lot of large numbers and they're their backups are always fresh and everything like that. And last year, it was kind of tough because everyone started cramping. And a lot of our starters, I think at one point we had like five of our starters out. And that's the part of conditioning that I was saying earlier. Like once we started conditioning, then it was easier to play a full game and put up the numbers that we should. Well, and you probably play against Wyatt Macedas right. in basketball yeah. and, you know, AAU and all that. What's it like going to be play, playing against him in in football this season? I haven't played him yet because last year he was on uh, JV, I think. So mm-hmm. I read the uh, article. He did pretty good at running back. So <laughs> I'm excited for this matchup. Uh, obviously, he's a tall, athletic kid. He's He's got good potential. And he might be playing corner against me, so I'm excited to see that matchup. But other than that, I got respect for that kid. He's super athletic. Mm-hmm. So He is on the same AU team? Uh, no, he's a grade younger than me. but. Well. He played with the Grand Rapids Storm, so he did pretty big things with him. I was with Parallel 45. So do you look at how St. Francis is using Wyatt and you say, can I play some running back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd rather give the ball to David on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one question I was told to ask you guys is uh, to talk a little bit about playing uh, badminton and pickleball in PE class. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that you guys weren't awful. I don't know who said that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but that you weren't winning much. Oh, come on. We're the best duo in there, right? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we had a couple runs for uh, King of the Hill. You know, we were up there for a little bit. I wouldn't say for very long, but we were there a couple times. So Got to the top, just didn't, just didn't stay there for a long time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then we have to play, you know, Coach Tunney. He always finds a way to cheat. So, <laughs> he's, yeah. He's got five hours of the day to practice. So. Right. <laughs> So what way, does he, what way does he cheat? Oh, like there's this kitchen area, like right up by the net. He'll just sit in that area and try and hit it down the whole time. So, you know, Coach Tony being Coach Tony. Does he ever talk about CMU? All the time, yeah. He definitely brings up his college experiences and high school experiences, specifically like his coaches and what they say and what they have said to him and a lot of motivational stuff, really. Can you picture him as a 300-pound guy? Um, actually, if you go on to uh, just uh, the internet and Safari and search up his actual his actual name, pictures pop up right there of it. So yeah, yeah. I mean he his he slimmed weight. down he slimmed down a lot. Yeah, a right. lot after his playing days. 
Because I think, what did he play at, like 310, 305? Yeah, so, I something think like that. Around yeah, 300, and yeah. now he weighs, like, what, just a little over 200 or I think, yeah, um, 215? Yeah. So I just can't imagine losing that much weight. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he uh, really, really likes ranch dressing. He was, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I made a comment on Twitter one time about ranch dressing being like a garbage condiment, and he like really took offense to it. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was talking about how in college they would just go to the cafeteria and just like just get tons and tons of ranch and that stuff <laughs> or whatever. You guys have Kingsley coming up on your schedule, and what are you looking forward to the rest of the season beyond St. Francis? I mean, we haven't seen film on really anyone other than the team that we're facing up like currently, so. It's hard to tell how they're, how they're going to be this year. I know they lost a couple guys last year. So, I mean, they're always they're a disciplined team too. I mean, great coaching as well. So, I mean, once we get to that point, obviously it's going to be full go, studying and doing everything we need to do, go hard at practice and just get prepared. So. All right, All right well, thank you guys for coming on here, for joining us, uh, taking your time to drive to Traverse City. Thank you for having us. On a, yeah, on a, on a sure. practice day. Thank you. Yeah. So luckily school's not in <laughs> session, right? Right. Yeah, no, so, it is not. So you guys so. could do this. So thanks for thanks for taking the time and joining us. Best of luck the rest of the season, and uh, we hope to, to see you after some games here. Sounds yep. good. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks again to David and Dylan. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. For the chatter that matters, we're going to hit on three little subjects here. The, they uh, all matter. The, the Traverse City Central Athletic Complex that's opening up. The Pete Moss Invitational, one of the larger cross-country meets that we have up here up north. And the first boys' soccer rankings came out, and there's some, some interesting things in there, too. On Wednesday... Andrew, you're going to be going out to the tax opening, mm-hmm. the Trojan Athletic Complex. There's a 4 p.m. tour. I imagine they're going to talk a little bit about the project. Or what's next for the Westfields, too? Obviously, this all stemmed from a $108 million bond voters um, in Traverse City approved in 2017. You know, it was a really big deal then because, you know, they're, you're a Class A school and you should be able to play night games in baseball and softball. And TCAP's schools didn't really have that capability the biggest thing the Coast Guard fields are going to provide. You're going to be able to do tournaments, and you don't have to go all the way to Keystone. You know, you're going to be able to basically do them on, in front of your own school. So, yeah, and you'll be able to play two games side-by-side side in soccer, too, whereas before it was just kind of, I mean, there was the varsity field, and then there was there was another field there, but it was basically just a field. The JV field, you know, wasn't up to specs as much as the varsity one. So I think to do tournaments, now you can bring four teams in, play two games going at a time and have those kind of tournaments there. The other thing is they have a really good grandstand from what I've driven by and seen it. And seen it. They have a press box for people like us, you know, to be able to do broadcasts. Yeah, and coaches doing video and right. all that. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to help with them for a lot of things. It's, it's an $8 million facility, and it's going to feel like it to be there, you know. like. And they've got heated dugouts for the baseball. Yep. <laughs> baseball and softball, I've heard. Um You'll have to be able to play the, the JV games at the same places for baseball and softball, which they couldn't before because you only had the one field at Thurlby, so the JV had to play somewhere else. I am going to miss that iconic Traverse City Central baseball field. That, that is pretty nice. I wonder what they'll do with that area right? where the, the baseball field Span and the JV the field were. and discus areas maybe? I don't know. Yeah, or but football practice field instead of practicing on the track. Still but they practice on the track. for football. Yeah, if you take the baseball, the JV baseball, and put it Either way, thing. it's but it's a really cool setup they had just tucked in the corner of the campus there. So the fact that yeah, they will I, know. I did like the feel of that. I feel like they should just keep it and then play like an honorary game there every year. I don't know, that's just me. I went to TC's and I wasn't on the baseball team. But <laughs> it's just has always been a part of that campus, I'm sure, for decades now. Mm-hmm. And I think Coach McDonald said he played all his games on that field. The big question I have is what's next for West? When I talk to Paul Thwing from TCAPS, their uh, capital projects manager, you know, he says he's working on something else for them. Yeah, they could definitely do some upgrades there. I mean, it's obviously great that they have all those right next to each other, right behind the school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the tennis so courts there. They don't the need as field. much renovating as Central as does. Central did. But Who doesn't really have the space for that? No. Yeah, yeah all the West stuff was kind of newer because, I mean, West is a newer school as a whole than Central. 
the West baseball and softball facilities are pretty nice. Right there, compact, right by each other. For last weekend, we had the Pete Moss, one of the big, preeminent cross-country meets. Yeah, there's the like area. 50 teams there and 20 teams per race. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. They had to completely, obviously, rearrange this last year because of COVID and do it in a very, very different format. They were able to do it kind of a little bit more like it used to be. But uh, what did you see there on Saturday? I got there at the start of the small school girls race, and I guess we can start there. Joburg looked legit as a team. A lot of the top runners from D4 and D3 opted up to play to run in the big school race. Obviously, Hunter Jones and Riley Ho was the spotlight race of the day. Um, McKenna Scott and Ann Haran both ran in the large school girls race and did pretty well with the top 20 finish. But when you look at a team finish as a whole, Joburg has depth. They went 1-3-5 in the boys' race, 2-7 and seven in the girls' race. Both their teams won uh, out of the 20 teams. They were ranked 11 as a team in boys and took 23rd at the state finals last year. And they think they can win it this year. And you don't hear that that often, that a team that finishes 23rd at the state finals wants to win the next year. They have a new coach. He's a former University of Michigan runner, assistant in the last couple seasons. And when I talked to the runners, they said the things that, He's been doing, working them hard in the offseason and worked for three months, basically training for the start of this season. So, and they were, they were really dedicated to that. And it showed, like, I mean, some of the runners shaved like three minutes off their state finals time. Three minutes off their state finals time? Yeah. Yikes. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know who was in charge of the program last year, but it sounds like they weren't doing nearly as good a job as this guy. Like two to three minutes, we're talking. That's, hey, as a former runner, that's, that's tough to do. So if that's what they're pulling off, then, yeah, the work is paying off, that's for sure. So I think they're going to jump in the rankings. They're 11 in boys and 8 in girls, I think. But I think they're going to make a good jump after winning Pete Moss. Glenn Lake ran the bigger race. Yeah, and, and Hunter yeah. Jones did not win Yeah. the race. Yeah, yeah. Was, I was thought that would have been your lead. Hunter Jones lost a running race. Well, this guy, so Riley Ho is... Uh, is he, it Ho or Huff? I'm not sure. Well, because, like, Julianna Huff is the dancer, and she spells it the same way. The one on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Or, like, David Blau. Yeah. How? Didn't you interview him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, probably didn't state his full name. Riley H. Just like Caleb C. We're just yeah. going to call Riley. Riley H. Riley. So, yeah. Riley versus Hunter. Yeah, Riley. So, yeah, Riley. That was the pay-per-view. Riley versus Jones. Uh, we're going to refer to him as Riley for the rest of this podcast because I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name now. The pronunciations are not our game, folks. No, we spell. But anyways, Riley came up from Heartland specifically to race Hunter Jones. You know, it's like a four-hour drive. And uh, he was the Division One final or Division One winner last year. He beat out Hobbs Kessler, and that's not a name to reckon with if you're uh, anything familiar with the North, with the Michigan running scene. Riley and Hunter, they just kind of ran together for the first mile. You know, he he knew he could make a move on runners late in races and make a good kick, and what ma- pretty matched his pace, kind of kind of like stride for stride. I watched him do it. He was literally like a foot behind him, and then second mile, he just took off and started running his own race and running his own pace, and Hunter couldn't really catch up after that. Hunter was really, he was frustrated when I talked to him after the race, understandably. Yeah, when's the last time he lost a running race? A, a high school one? Maybe cross country. Maybe he lost a track. He lost okay. a track race, obviously. Maybe, but. yeah. He's lost, he's not, he, I just, I don't know if I want to say lost, but he's he's not won a race, like when he's gone to some of those out of school, okay, like, like huge MHSA national things like that. But an MHSA race, cross country race, that's been probably a been over long, a year. Long probably time. been since his freshman year. He might have been Pete Moss's freshman year. So he, he won it last year. Yeah, I still ask him like, it's got to be cool that this guy came up just to race you. That's probably sells enough. But obviously, Hunter's goal is just to get under fourteen thirty. He ran a fifteen minute to start the year this year. It was only three seconds off his PR, which it's right where. 
he said he wanted to be by the end of the year. He's hoping to obviously win his third state title in a row and then hopefully make a splash at the national level level at either Foot Locker or Nike Cross Nationals. He isn't really sure which one he wants to do yet. Well, I'm wondering when he's going to make his college choice. You feel like he's going to do it before his senior year. Well, a lot of that happens at these national races. Like these, a lot of like big ten, big time recruiting. They they look at like, oh, how did you finish at Foot Locker? How did you finish yeah, at Nike? Yeah, no, it's not going to be in the next like two months. But no, this, it will more like. Than likely be this year as opposed to his senior year that he yeah. makes his commitment. So it'll be really interesting to see which school he goes with because I'm pretty sure he can almost choose anyone he wants. Well, yeah. Okay, so I looked it up. Uh, there's only been three races in high school in cross country that he did not finish first in. One is a For sophomore. MHSA. Yeah. One is a freshman. He finished fourth in the Pete Moss as a freshman. And then he lost one a race as a sophomore? And then last year as a sophomore, yeah, at the Bengals fall cross country invitational. He finished second, but he was still racing like mid fifteens. Yeah, most that's, of that's last big, year. That's some bigger schools too. I think a fifteen flat to open up the year is, you know, it's hard to come in second, especially if you're a guy like Hunter. But you gotta think he's gonna get, he's gonna break fifteen several times this year. There's two schools of thought on so, that. Yes, he's right there now, but he did that the other day with someone in front of him. That's true. It's a lot harder to do it when you're setting your own pace. So is it, is it right there in front of him, and will he do it? Sure. Is he going to do it on a lot of them? It's one of those easier said than done. It's all to him because yeah. he'll be the one dictating <laughs> exactly if he does that or not. That's true. And Benzie is usually a faster course. Not the fastest. There will be some faster ones this year, but that is yeah. one of the faster courses the runners will go on all year. Yeah. The first Michigan high school soccer rankings came out this week from the Michigan High School Soccer Coaches Association. We have two teams ranked. Only two teams, kind of surprisingly. And you'll never guess who those teams are. And Yeah, and they're not the ones, you know, you, you would think all the teams that made long runs last year, you know, Leland, Elk Rapids, T.C. West, that, that they would be up in there, that people well, would be Leland, voting. People would I be saw voting. Leland, what, had like an 8-2 to two loss? To Leland has not started off the season yeah. very good. But they have also played a murderer's row. Uh, well, they usually do. Yeah, they've they've played up and playing Division One two teams a lot and not faring well. But and, and also playing the elite of the elite schools Don't in the smaller divisions. Don't they play West Michigan Christian in the they, season? They did. They already played them, and they lost 4 nothing. Okay. And then they played Granville Calvin Christian, who was the team that beat them in the semi-arc last year. They, they lost to them 4 nothing. So, I mean, but they've – so they're, I think, 1-6-1 or 0-6-1 oh, or something like that to start off the season. But, like I said, they've played nothing but big schools, aside from West Michigan Christian and Granville Calvin Christian, who are both Division Four power. Well, and they're also transitioning from... To a new head coach. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? I can't yeah, Brandon, Brandon Wheeler left. Brandon Wheeler. And, yeah. uh, and Coach uh, Sarine is in. Mm-hmm. But the two teams from the area that are ranked, one of them is in Division Four, McBain Northern Michigan Christian. Starts the season as ranked number seven after a 4-0 and start. And the other team that's ranked is Gaylord in Division Two, they rank number 12 after a 2-2 two and two start. Rankings are fun to look at, but I think anybody will tell you that, especially early in the season, it's it's never something to take too seriously. I, I was on a cross-country team that was ranked third in the state my junior year, and we finished 12th. <laughs> so sometimes the results these people are looking at, good or bad, yeah, that maybe there's a reason you're on there now. And I'm not knocking McBain and I'm seeing Gaylord for – for getting some street cred here early on, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a long season, and uh, the rankings will become a little more assimilated to how teams really look. Yeah, and Gaylord has had pretty good teams the last few years. Yeah, they were ranked top ten mm-hmm. a couple years ago and had a really strong program. Mm-hmm. I think won a district. Mm-hmm. So and soccer and, and is like, MC is kind of a big soccer community. Yeah, now soccer too, is definitely McBain program. MC's sport in the Bread fall. And butter. They don't yeah. have football, so well, yeah. and the girls' team in the spring is pretty good too. So mm-hmm. they they definitely uh, take soccer their soccer school. seriously, and so it's not a shock to see those teams in there. Yeah, we're just kind of wondering where the TC Wests, Elk Rapids, and and Leland's of the world are, and, and sliding in there. So, yeah. but I think it'll all sort itself out. It's still August, boys, yeah. when we're recording this. I mean, I can understand Leland not being ranked because of because of the record, even though who they've played and stuff. But you would think that Elk Rapids and West would get some kind I, of consideration in there. I would be very surprised if Leland is not at least playing for a district title by the end of the year. I, I think so, too. With that, we'll move on to the Hall of Fame. Gents. All right, Andrew, who you got? I have to give it to Everest Noise. You know, he didn't really do much in the last week. But I, he did. No, he did a lot. He did a lot. That's why I'm putting him up. 
He did a lot, yeah. Uh, like, I'm, okay, his stats aren't as jarring as some of the guys we're going to be talking about later, but the dude played in a soccer game. In Saginaw. In Saginaw. In the afternoon. And, and scored, scored a goal. goal. Drove and, to Ann Arbor. And then played in the Battle of the Big House and was TC Central's kicker. Yeah, he, he did all the kickoffs. and. Yeah, I remember, what, two years ago, West TC West had Finn Durbin play in the soccer state finals in Comstock Park, and then he went back and kicked in the, the home playoff game that night at the Roby Field. Yeah, so just like, last season. That was, yeah. Harrison, you have? Uh, I'll take the house guest this week, uh, David Milliken. Just a, a joy to watch every time you watch a Grayling football game. He had 20 carries, 297 yards, and four touchdowns in the Vikings' uh, opening week victory against Ross Common. Yeah. Part of me doesn't think that that's going to be the best stat line he's going to have not. this year either. Probably not. Yeah. So in a weird way, I don't want him to win because I want him to win for probably a bigger stat line later. But 297, I mean, that's that's yeah. almost more impressive than the four touchdowns, if you ask me. Yeah. Eric Tunney didn't even mention his name in the text he sent to James with the stat, and we already knew it was him. Yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, 297 yards, that's got to be David Milliken. That's 15 yards a carry. Yeah. Almost. Three yards short of being 15 yards exactly a carry. Who do you got? I'm going to put up Will Gaston from Traverse City West. He was our guest last week, um, and uh, and he and Michael Skirmerhorn got the get-around bump in the Midland game. Skirmerhorn scored the game-winning touchdown. Gaston scored a punt return touchdown that was the, that tied the game up, and then Skirmerhorn clinched the game with an interception as well. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with Will Gaston, who had a couple of big catches and uh, a really nice catch for a two-point conversion. Third quarter, I think, I believe it was. The throw was a little short of the end zone, so he caught it at, like, the two. And then but he did the dirty com- work. Just completely juked the guy that was covering him, and then walked in the end zone. All right, Andrew, who are you going to vote for? Ooh, how about Everest? Mount Everest. Mount Everest, making some noise. Yeah. I think uh, Andrew. I think you talked me out of uh, my vote. I think the logic of Milliken padding up potential more jaw-dropping stats down the road here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Will Gaston based on how difficult a comeback that must have been for West with the caliber of opponent and with the heat that they were fighting that we basically talked about for this entire episode. So I think it's only fitting that he does get a nod, mainly because I feel like Milliken is going to be up for this award every week until he actually gets a spot. That's probably true. I was I was leaning towards David Milliken, too. You know, I'll go with Will Gaston then. I mean, that, that punt return for the touchdown was, it was a nice one. I mean, the play was supposed to go right, and he caught the ball and looked to his left and was like, there's nobody there, and just took off that side. And he's... You can see in the hot, in the video, <clears throat> he's just running up the sideline, and he is pointing out to guys where to block, and then those guys nailed their blocks, he's and he was just gone. He's coaching while he's playing. That's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that really the, – the momentum was already turning, but that really just reinforced that in that game and that huge comeback in the big house. So I'll go with Will Gaston. So, Will Gaston, you are in the hardest club to get into in northern first. Michigan. Prep athlete to be inducted in the 2021-2022 in the fall season calendar season. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. At Jimmy John's, they're freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. The trifecta gentlemen, Michigan team won the Little League World Series for the first time since 1959. Down in Taylor, Michigan. That's even older than me. As it should be. So... Out of that, what is your favorite memory of playing Little League Baseball? Quitting. <laughs> hey. I hated I hated playing baseball. and really? It was always my brother's thing. He's getting recruited by all these. He just took a visit to UW Oshkosh the other day. and I, 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 Baseball was never my thing. I'm sorry. I, I didn't play. You I didn't got, even have like an at-bat or a defensive play? That you I remember? was terrible, and I hated it, and that's why I stopped playing. <laughs> I could never get I, – I think it was T-ball and I couldn't even hit the ball. <laughs> well, I mean, that was kind of like me with soccer. I was kind of very excited to just not be in competitive soccer anymore because all my friends were just way better than me. I was like, okay, this clearly isn't my avenue. I'll do a quick story. It was in American Legion, which is kind of like Little League up here. It's the, the Civic Center offering mm-hmm. it at, at, in downtown Traverse City for youth baseball. I'll never forget my dad, shout-out George Beebe, was my T-ball coach. And I'm coming up to the plate, and he points out that there's a girl in right field just throwing her mitt back and forth, clearly not paying attention. He says, if you hit a ball out to that girl, guarantee you will get an inside-the-park home run. 
And so sure enough, that's what I did. Somehow I had the strength to get it to the outfield at five, six years old, whatever I was. Because <laughs> you can see me now, I'm not very big. I definitely wasn't mm -hmm. super strong back when I was that age. Got it out there and hustled, got all four bags. And my dad was right. He set it into existence, and I, I made it happen. So that was easily the highlight of my playing career for baseball because uh, I don't think it was ever going to surpass. I mean, we won a couple championships, I guess, but I wasn't necessarily like the key cog in those in those teams. I was more of a role player. So that to have that moment and have my dad kind of pointed out, <laughs> you can never script baseball, but mm -hmm. in a weird way, my dad kind of did that day. And apologies to that little girl in right field if she's listening to this right now. I'm sure you, you've grown up to be. It's probably Jenny Finch. That's probably who it was. <laughs> she went on to have a dominant career in softball, but I had the best of her that day. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I didn't really play youth sports until uh, football of like sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play baseball at all? No. Did you play the league at all? No. No, you didn't even try out and get cut? Well, I, okay. I shouldn't so have done this category. <laughs> I, I think I played uh, t-ball and then like literally, like Pinto comes along or like the first year, whatever we call it, when I was like in first grade or second grade. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't do it. Like I, I was terrible and I was like, I was like, screw this and just left it some quit the team and let my brother play <laughs> now i'm like the one that's tagging along in all of his games and i kind of regret that like looking back like i wish i played baseball maybe but still can man do some slow pitch leagues there you back go. into some it some co-ed leagues mm -hmm. yeah yeah i was kind of like harrison and when i was in playing in little league and that i was just a scrawny little kid but i played third base because i was the only kid on the team who could throw, throw across, across the, the diamond the <laughs> That's very, like, especially that young age, that's hard to do. Yeah, when you're, like, 7, 8 or whatever. Especially in for, time. For Little League, yeah. But I remember one time there was a huge kid from the other team, just, like, way bigger than everybody else, and he just crushed one to center field. And we had a really fast center fielder named Scott, and he was able to chase it down and throw – the kid had already gotten past second base, so he throws to third, and – I'm just sitting there. He's about halfway between second and third, and I've got the ball. And this kid just decides, I'm just running He's you gonna over. He's going to bulldoze you. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, and I'm probably 70 pounds or something. I don't know. I, I was not a big kid. And this kid just comes and just throws a huge block. You know, it's like he was tackling me, and I throws me about five feet probably out of the baseline. But I held on to the ball. And it was like the third out of the inning, and I remember the, the pitcher like running over and pulling me up off the ground. Like, Are you okay? Are you concussed? Because <laughs> he, he was so happy. The pitcher was so happy to get out of that inning. I think because he had kind of gotten shelled a little bit that <laughs> that inning. Otherwise, I I was a like I said little scrawny kid, so I played to my strengths. And unless it was right down the middle, I wasn't swinging at it. And you were probably going to oh, walk yeah. me. I used to overthink <laughs> batting all the time. I loved fielding. I loved playing out on the field and making defensive plays. Mm -hmm. but I used to overthink batting all the time to the point where I think yeah. I, when I got older I didn't and then I started playing better so it was like dude it's all in your head just like yeah. be smart and swing at the pitches that make sense I used to walk all the time and then I was one of two guys I think on the team that had the green light to steal bases whenever they wanted and so usually a couple pitches later I was on third and I was I was fast I was all like I, I probably couldn't hit the ball out of the infield half the time yeah, if I wanted, as as I could. wanted to so so it just goes did, to show none of us probably would not have been on a Little League World Series championship caliber team. I did play a game or two after, right after having my appendix removed when I still had staples in my stomach. Like back then they used metal staples instead of the stitches that they use now. So I actually had metal staples in my stomach. So they played me in the outfield instead so that I wouldn't have rip, contact. Rip the staples. Rip the staples out. Uh, your parents are, uh, <laughs> have no uh, restraint for protecting you at all. Get out there, James! It was all about it. Right. What, what could you lose? Your appendix, it's already gone. Yeah, appendix is already gone. Can't bother you anymore. With that, tripping. episode 187 of the Get Around is done here, folks. We'll see you next week. We're out. We're out.